skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. This week, we're going to tackle topics like what happens when the honeymoon is over. When honesty gets us nowhere and accepting that the relationship is over. Oh, it is. (laughs) (laughs) But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not allowed to do this. We're not qualified to do this. We don't have any training. We are not professionals. That's right. Um, Yeah. We could be if we really paid a lot of money and went to school. Yeah. Right. Which I've thought about a couple times. I mean, me too. Yeah. Um, But we're not. This is a passion project. And Sam and I have had just as many, if not more, horrible relationships as you all. (laughs) And we've made just as many dumb decisions. Yes. WWSNSD, (laughs) fuck up. (laughs) This is all to say, please take our advice as you see fit. Honestly, you can listen to it. You can take it or you can ignore it. (laughs) That's right. It's just like life. Right. Um, we're Sam and I are just here to offer our humble musing. So hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience. That is love. 
I don't know what is up with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Are we tired? <laughs> yeah, I'm sleepy. But that's okay. We're going to talk about something fun for a check-in topic. That's right. And the check-in topic is... Uh, it comes from Katie N., who is from Cincinnati. Um, and basically, Katie asked us what our love languages are, right? which I think that we've talked about, we've for sure talked about on the Patreon and probably here. Yes. Uh, and then uh, what is one nice thing that your partner does for you that like you really yeah. see as them loving you? And what's one thing that you do for your partner? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to like, I think we should riff a little. Yeah. Because... She also said that we should get as lovey-dovey as possible. Because she loves love. Yes. <laughs> which is pretty cute. <laughs> um, yeah. So quick review, love languages. There are five love languages and the ideology behind them. What? I thought we were going to list them. I had like my oh, fingers ready to yeah, do Sam, it. <laughs> I was like, is your hand up or do I call on you? Um, well, just you can list them. But first I'll say um, the ideology behind love languages is that we're all taught, conditioned, whatever, to express and receive love in different ways. Um, and that the ways we are shown love as children or in our first relationship or during developmental years um, is how we come to expect love or want love from other people and how we show it too. And our different love languages, they can be different for when you give love and receive love, but you can find more information about this online. There's an amazing book that was one of our blind dates once called mm -hmm. the five love languages. Um, and I think that the understanding your love language and your partner's love, love language is like honestly so fundamental to me mm -hmm. it's changed um the way i love people it's changed my relationship i think it's really great and the five love languages are sam oh i was gonna hold up my fingers while you list them oh 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 <laughs> so you're not gonna list them yeah no it's gonna be a test okay it is words of affirmation physical touch quality time acts of kindness or acts of service and gift giving you got them. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> That's right. Give me an MFA. I mean, MFA. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> make me a doctor. Okay. Um. So what's your love language, Sam? Uh, my love language is acts of service, which means that I like to do nice things for people. Mm -hmm. and, and when you receive love, what do you like? Uh, I'm also an act of service uh, receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd like, there are parts of each that I like, except for gift giving, but <laughs> everything else is like great. Gift giving stresses Sam out. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But I give people gifts as an act of service to yes. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my love language is words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. I'm a big talker. Yeah, that's right. And that is also the love language that I like to give and receive. Mm -hmm. But a close second for receiving is acts of service. Hmm. Um, and I used to think that it was physical touch, but that was just me faking intimacy with all of my partners <laughs> for my entirety of my 20s. Yeah, no, you and I for a long time were convinced that our love languages were physical touch. But turns out, not That true. was just a coping mechanism. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you want to learn more about love languages and Sam and I's understanding of our love languages, we actually did like a five-part series mm -hmm. on, on our Patreon, Patreon. Last year, breaking them each down and, and talking about our feelings about them. And you can find that at patreon.com yep. slash just big a pod. The main takeaway is that uh, words of affirmation, <laughs> people can lie. So <laughs> that's, what, that's why Sam doesn't 
my words of affirmation or like why he doesn't like it when I tell him I love him so much because he thinks I'm lying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, everybody's different, Sam. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but my way is the best and way. And <laughs> our relationships can be made stronger by hearing the love that people are telling us. Yes. So admitting that I'm not lying. And also trying to speak to people in the right. language that they hear. I can always tell when you're trying to speak to me in my love language because you're like, you like touch me and you're like, <laughs> you are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you it did is a good equal, job. it's equal parts. Very comforting because that is my love language and genuine because I know you mean it and awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're trying to say friend, you know, I love you in French and you're like. My also, issue also is that like people don't receive my words of affirmation well because I'm a very direct person and mm. I have very and my words of affirmation often come at times when people are like doubting themselves and so I'm like shut up buck up you're awesome stop it which is like not super <laughs> I feel helpful. like I totally whenever I need words of affirmation from you I'm like broken up with yeah. so I need that I need you to be like uh this guy's trash <laughs> I'm like okay so what should I do and you're like black him I'm like okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, that's in the past. Yes. Let's talk about our present relationships. Um, Sam is married, as everyone knows, or as our listeners know, mm-hmm. and I am not. But <laughs> well, just so it's got to be a competition, huh? No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> stating facts. Um, but we are both happily, um, I was going to say happily engaged, but I meant like in yeah. relationships, uh-huh. not like. Yep. Rocks on our fingers. Ensconced. I don't know. That's not the word either. (laughs) And that makes me think of sconces, like lighting fixtures. Uh Anyway, um, so how does Peter show you, like, what's something sweet that Peter does? Peter shows me love in so many ways. Yeah, Uh, he does. He's a good partner. What's great is that Peter's love language is for sure acts of service. Yeah. Uh, And so, like, he will do things all the time, like, you know... um, like this past week has been really stressful, like lots of working and he just sort of like takes on things. Mm-hmm. So like I come home and he has made dinner mm-hmm. and um, like he's always trying to figure out how he can like Make take something off of my yeah, plate. Totally. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Which is really nice. Like what can I carry for you? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that too, because it's not how can I fix the problem? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people confuse love and caretaking for let me fix it for you and that's not necessarily like the direct way to like vulnerability intimacy good love um sometimes people just need to feel supported to do the thing that they're 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 challenged to do for sure um and what do you do for him what's something that you do for him uh i try to make sure that like the space around us is really nice and that he doesn't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like he can be part of it as much as possible. But I'm like, you know, we are currently sort of settling into our house because um, we that we bought earlier. Well, not earlier this year because it's 2020, right. but like uh, last year. And so one of the things that I've been trying to do is just like like buy curtains and like hang right. them up and like take the art that we have gotten each other and make sure it's framed and like yeah. just doing nice things so that um, he can come home to someplace that feels like home for him. And that's like a gift that Peter would not necessarily give himself because he, he mm-hmm. doesn't always the way he caretakes for others 
um, it it's he doesn't always grant that to himself. You know what I mean? Like obviously he he has self care practices and stuff. Yep. But like you know, you and I've talked before before that you have different. Um, like house home styles, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about cohabitating a couple episodes ago. Yep. And um, so I, you're enriching his life by m- like making these choices for him. And- yeah. Cause, and like we've had conversations where he has been like, I never, like, I never really thought about like how to make a space nice for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, it's something that hasn't crossed his mind. Yeah. And it's something that like I love to do. Um, and I love to be able to do it thinking about the fact that it's going to make his space really nice too. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? So my girlfriend Willow and I, um, something that Willow does for me is she is totally similar to Peter acts of service. Mm -hmm. Um, Willow brings me coffee every morning in bed. Oh, I'm talking every morning. That's so cute. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> um, it's not even like a brings me breakfast in bed sort of thing. It's just she's that is a metaphor for she's kind of always thinking about she she always wants to do things for me, mm-hmm. and she she'll asks she'll ask me for like tasks that will help her that. At the end of the day, Willow wants to help me, just like you said, like take a load off or whatever, or carry something for me. And um, and she finds great fulfillment in that. Um, and I feel really taken care of by those little acts. Those little acts go a really long way. She also like folds my laundry for me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so silly. Obviously, there are like so many other like great benefits to our relationship. But when I think about like little ways of little ways of showing each other that we care sustainably. It's Mm -hmm. like that she helps me keep my life in order. That's right. You know, Um, and bringing me coffee and folding my laundry might not seem like the um, fucking Disney romantic honeymoon version of love, but it's so consistent and it's so supportive. And so I'll like, you know, she'll be at work and I'll come home from the gym and, I'll go upstairs and I'll see my clothing folded on my dresser and mm-hmm. I'll just feel supported by her. I'll be like, you made my day easier mm-hmm. that way. Um, and it's really funny that that's what really moves me in this relationship because, like we were saying, my past self was much more intoxicated by um, uh, physical love. And, and I thought that that was what I needed to feel fulfilled. But really, it was just like kind of filling a void. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, for me, um, something I do for her, I would say, uh, I'm, I am really invested in Willow's family Mm -hmm. and that is a value of hers, something that's been lacking in past relationships. And so I really make space for my relationships with her family members to thrive and for us to spend time with her family. And that's really valuable to her. Um, and that's something that I, I really enjoy doing. I feel really lucky that I like my in-law family, I can call them, you know, my Uh in-laws. Um, they're all really wonderful people and they've made me feel really welcomed in their family. And I know that's valuable to Willow. Another thing I'll do, I do, I'll do, I'll say, I'm sorry, we'll just list all the nice (laughs) things I do for my girlfriend. Yeah, let's do it. But I forgot, I thought of this one and then I, I forgot about it. Um, 
Willow is a go, 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 go person. Mm -hmm. Um, She always needs something to do. And she, a lot of time her anxiety manifests in productivity, which is like a benefit for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and our like household. Um, We, I actually interviewed Willow a couple months ago about cohabitating on our Patreon. If you guys want to listen to that episode too. Um, And she was afraid when we moved in that I wouldn't like how go, go, go she is because mm-hmm. she kind of always has to do something. She has a lot of energy. I equate her to like a border collie. <laughs> if you guys have any experience with that type of dog. Um, and she says that oftentimes the biggest gift that I can give her is like permission to like clock out. Like you've done enough today. Mm. Um, we can, you can just sit and be still. Yeah. Um, so why I wanted to say that to you is that it's funny that like she does all these nice kind things for me and what I do for her is like watch Netflix with her (laughs) like I just like sit there and she's just like relaxed in like my presence Mm -hmm. so anyway that's an example yeah I mean I feel like I do similar things for Peter because he's like also very go 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 and his anxiety also manifests in like cleaning or like doing a bunch of work Mm -hmm. and sometimes I have I not have to, but sometimes I will be like, why don't you like stop working for a minute? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like, why don't we watch this? Like, what do you need to do tonight? And what can you put off till, till tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a good reminder for him to be like, oh, I don't have to be doing everything all the time. I can actually just like close the computer and save it for tomorrow mm-hmm. instead of spiraling. It's fun to talk about our significant others. Yeah. We it's cute. What, um, your favorite sexy thing is about him on his body (laughs) what are you most attracted to on peter i'm not gonna yes you are no i'm not gonna i'm peter's not consenting to this conversation so i'm not gonna talk about his body okay but like his features his (laughs) facial features um peter has very beautiful eyes he really does okay and sorry peter for like complimenting (laughs) you non-consensually um you know what i'm really attracted to on willow is her hair she has great hair. Doesn't she? Yeah. It's like so thick and curly. It's yeah. Like, you want to hear something crazy? What? She doesn't wash it. Neither do I. She's, oh yeah. You two are both oh natural people. Yeah. No poo. No poo lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She has beautiful hair. She has like luscious, curly. Um, yeah. And it, like whenever I like daydream about us getting married one day, I picture her hair down. Mm. That's how much I love it. Mm-hmm. It's like I imagine our wedding day with her luscious fucking locks. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. And we're on top of like a mountain and it's snowing. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would fucking never get married in the snow. Yeah, like, I, would, really? I would just like start hissing. And Can nothing. I not be involved in your wedding, yeah. please? <laughs> oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> okay. I did have another daydream the other day. Like, man, like if I get married um, and my like if we choose to. A, if we choose to get married, and B, if we fucking um, decide to have a really small wedding party, if mm-hmm. it's like just you and Spencer, <laughs> like, it's literally just the just breakup people. Yeah, I just want to remind you that you wanted to live stream uh, my wedding for the. No, I didn't want to live stream <laughs> your wedding for the listeners. So that like is, that is a lie. You suggested that is it, a so defamation. Now it's, a, it's on of the character. table. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to. It was just an idea. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, not the live stream. I wanted to, I wanted, to, I'm so glad I didn't, number one, but I wanted to interview our friends and family at the wedding to make a little episode, but instead I surprised you mm-hmm. with a little other episode that you can find online. Which is um, great. 
but that was just an idea. I was just floating around, just brainstorming, okay. and you just outed me with one of my bad ideas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long check and topic, but it was fun. Let's get into our letters. All right. Our first letter comes from Sarah G, who is writing from The Void. Dear Sam and Sierra, let me start by telling you that your podcast has become a necessity for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Your raw, positive, and honest approach to relationships and radical self-love has helped me going through many hardships in the past year, and I would like to sincerely thank you for that. I'm writing this letter because I am 27, and for the first time in my life, I'm having a healthy relationship with a man living in my city. Before him, in my adult life, I've only had long-distance relationships and a roller coaster situationship with a man living on another continent. This has led me to associate love with short, intense periods of perfection, mm-hmm. but also with huge amounts of pain and suffering. Now I've been with my boyfriend for almost four months, and until now, all I felt with him was peace and happiness. Lately, however, I've started to feel more and more anxiety. I guess this is due to the fact that the intensity of the beginning is starting to fade and we are sometimes starting to share little moments of awkwardness or frustration or even just sometimes be having normal, unremarkable time together. Mm -hmm. I'm not used to this change of rhythm and intensity in relationships and I keep thinking that it means that something is wrong, that he wants to break up with me and that we are not made for each other. I am a very, very anxious person, so I know that there is something irrational in all this, but still, I keep worrying. My question would be, is this normal? Is this how the end of the, quote, honeymoon phase starts? Or is it the symptom of something deeper? Thank you very much, and love to you both. Thank you so much for writing. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, Sam, do you want to talk to our people about attachment styles? (laughs) You're like the patron saint of attachment styles. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure you've listened. People who have listened are like, oh, my God, they're going to talk about attachment styles again. We haven't talked about it in a while. Um, true. Uh, so there are different attachment styles, right? So it's measured on like a a uh, like a v- axis of different things. You guys should see the hand motions. <laughs> right? I'm trying to make He's a, like a an, directing traffic yeah, right now. An XY axis. So there's um, one line that goes from low uh, anxiety to high anxiety. And then the other line that crosses it goes from low avoidance to high avoidance. Mm-hmm. So there are four different t- attachment styles. Um, if you have high anxiety and low avoidance, you have an anxious attachment style, which means that you are really want to be with the person. And the fact that you can't know them and you don't know what they're thinking all the time causes you a lot of anxiety. I have an anxious, anxious <laughs> attachment style. And how that manifests in my life is that if I feel any sense of conflict or that a person doesn't respond in an overly exuberant way, mm-hmm. I instantly my, my brain instantly goes to an anxious, fear based um based thinking in which I think, oh my God, they don't like me. Something's wrong. Uh, or they're not around me. They're, they don't love me. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it, I have, I have to actively prevent that from spiraling. For sure. And then there is uh, low anxiety and high avoidance, which is a dismissing uh, or avoidant attachment style. Uh, and so that plays out as a person who has, has had that, that attachment in styles yeah. at certain points in his life um, is that you don't feel a lot of anxiety about the relationship itself, mm-hmm. uh, but you are avoidant of of connecting with people. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting anxious and trying to, like, bring people closer, what you do is you just push people away in an effort to not get hurt. Right. Basically. Right. Um, then there's high anxiety. How that manifests in our friendship <laughs> is that I text Sam 47 different texts and he sends me back one. Yes. <laughs> in my defense, 
you often only ask one question. I know. I know. <laughs> to which no, I no. respond. Listen, I 100% we I know what our communication style is. I I I'm it 99% of the time doesn't make me anxious anymore because now I understand attachment styles. Right. And I will not censor myself and not text you 47 times. That's great. I don't, you can text me 47 times. And I'm like, that yeah. it would have freaked right. me out if I had not like worked on moving towards a more secure attachment style. Right. But like in the olden days, I would have been like, oh my God, this person is obsessed with me. I can't deal with it. I am, number one. Number two, <laughs> I love that you just said olden days. <laughs> Uh, listen. Okay, continuing. And then there is high anxiety and high avoidance, which is uh, a fearful attachment style, which is often the product of trauma. But basically, it's that not only are you really anxious about what the other person is thinking, but you're actively trying to avoid them. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah, no, me too. It's, especially in relationships where it is toxic, like yeah, that happens like, oh a lot. God. Yeah. Um, but then the place where we're all trying to get is to low avoidance and low anxiety, which is the secure attachment style, which right. looks like. Um, you know, you want to get to know the person, but you, you know, that whether or not they like you isn't a really, isn't a big deal, it's right? It's not a like, reflection of you exactly. as a person. Right. And so, um, that is a, a good way to do it. Yeah. Right. So Sarah, yes. <laughs> why I had Sam do that, uh, small, um, re-education of us all mm-hmm. is that it's, um, obviously me that you have a little bit of an anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. Me too, homegirl. Don't worry. Yep. Um, and a lot of times what that anxiety looks like is it is that anxiety craves any sort of like friction to satiate it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, it craves attention. That anxiety wants to be seen and heard and fed and satiated and proved right more yes. than anything. That yep. anxiety want to be, wants to be proved proven right that like yes you had a right to be nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why we call it head and heart work because we – Oftentimes we need to do the inner work um, that is involved with moving past our initial um, uh, reactions mm-hmm. and giving ourselves the opportunity to have a response. Yep. Absolutely. I really love the phrasing um, reaction versus response because reaction is very trigger based. It's fear based. Often um, it's not wrong. Right. Like we're our, our emotional like we're allowed to have emotional responses, mm-hmm. um, but it is our responsibility as um, living, breathing adults to process those triggers, to potentially examine, like, is this really how I feel or sure. is this how I want to act and hold ourselves accountable to the what we discover in that process and give ourselves the gift of a t- like a, a fine tuned response. Yeah, a response sure. that is a thought authentic to what we actually want. That's right. And uh, what I love about uh, attachment styles in that vein is that they are malleable. Mm-hmm. Like, right, we learn them from the ways that our parents parented us for sure, but we do have the capacity to be able to change. And also, sometimes we can revert if we are dating situationships that are roller coasters of emotions who live on different continents. Boom, right? boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> right. And so, I want to say, uh, you know, I want to say to you, Sarah, that like this anxious attachment style might be coming out of sort of nowhere or you might not be like expecting it to be yeah. happening especially because it seems like you are with this person who is it's there going, for you is well. present and yeah. then like things are going well um but sometimes we are reacting to th- 
to relationships that happened before, mm-hmm. right? And and it's okay to do that. Like it's okay for those things to have impacts on us. But we also have the ability and we have the responsibility to work towards what we actually want out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, it's justifiable that, well, that you might be a little anxious given that you were in the situationship or you were dating a person long distance and you weren't able to feed some of the the things that you needed in that relationship. It's okay to be like, yeah, that's probably what's happening. Mm-hmm. And also I have the ability to say that that's not how I want to show up here. In this present relationship. Right, in this present relationship and, and say like, I'm okay with awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I am okay with the fact that we got a little snippy with each other because right. we were frustrated. Right. Right. I'm okay with the fact that sometimes all we do is sit and watch Netflix. Right. Right. Um, and that's, I think, easier said than done. But the reality is, is that like being in, in relationship with someone who is here and present is going to always create friction between you two. It's going to always create little moments of frustration or boredom because you can't be on all the time and it's it's unreasonable to expect each other to do that right now that we've talked about attachment styles Mm -hmm. i want to like tackle the facade of the honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. well actually it's not a facade it's real yeah but it's like a false bill of rights right um the honeymoon stage it's false in that yes it's true that we have like these glory days of our relationship but we are culturally trained to think that those glory days are the best days mm. and that it's all going to go downhill from here mm-hmm. because it's no longer going to be that intense, passionate, everything's easy because everything's new right. sort of relationship. The facade that I want to break down is that the beginning of the relationship is exciting, but it's not the best quality mm-hmm. right let me tell you what's the best quality being with someone for like two years and then having fucking even better sex than when you started <laughs> uh, right uh-huh. <laughs> or you know what's really great is after being together for a year and being able to celebrate you know willow and i just celebrated our second holidays together over this past holiday season and it was really fun that that it's no longer our first. Like we mm-hmm. enjoy trying, like starting new traditions together and things like that. Yeah. I um, love that Peter can read my mind when I give him hand motions. Oh my God. That is so real. <laughs> Where it's like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like here, this, and he will like immediately know what I'm talking about. That is so real. <laughs> so I think, I think maybe like instead of breaking down the facade of, honeymoon stage because it is a real thing mm-hmm. i want to dethrone the honeymoon stage yeah yep um it is not the most valuable or enjoyable or quality time of your relationship for sure um it's just the shiniest mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the most exciting it's the most excitable um but what you have to remind yourself um is that we don't want a shiny exciting roller coaster of a relationship mm-hmm. um we we want passion that looks like longevity. Mm-hmm. We want passion that looks like uh, comfortability, looks like home. I, I personally want a relationship that I can watch grow old. Mm-hmm. I want to see how Willow and I's relationship changes over a decade, yep. you know, um, because to be honest, Sarah, I, I've had the short uber romantic honeymoon phase only relationships. I've had enough of them in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and now I'm, I'm in it for, I want to see what the long haul looks like. For sure. And, um, 
And maybe that's something that you have to ask yourself is, what do I want out of relationships right now? What am, what am I looking for in this current relationship? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that honeymoon phases um, are great. But I also think that, like, they're, you can have a great relationship going forward if you're willing to do the work to make it happen, right? right? And I think honeymoon phases are often easier than, like, afterwards because— right. Literally, your brain is flooding with, like, pleasure chemicals when mm-hmm. you are, like, in that initial, like, getting to know you phase. Right. Um, but then what is what happens afterwards can be just as wonderful and just as fulfilling, but it does take open and honest communication. It does take sort of finding peace with uh, things that might be boring or having the ability to have confrontation um, in a way that feels like it's actually achieving something mm-hmm. and not just for the sake of arguing, right? Um, you can absolutely have a, an amazing, fulfilling relationship after the honeymoon phase. Um, but I think that we are often taught that we shouldn't value that in the same way. Right. Um, and so let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's dethrone it. Dethrone it. Yes. March in the streets. Okay. <laughs> No more honeymoon phase. I'm going to like hold my picket sign, stand outside of Starbucks? nowhere. The void? Yeah. And be like, hey, for anyone who cares. Yeah. Um, so, Sarah, check out Attachment Styles. Um, as always, maybe uh, lean on a mental health resource in your community to help you um, process through the things that lead us to be anxiously attached. Mm-hmm. Um, know you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also... Um, Find that shiny excitement, that passion in your everyday nothingness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a privilege to watch a relationship grow old. For and sure. it's a privilege to to learn more about someone even more intimately and deeply. Yeah. And find value and um, excitement in the fact that sometimes you get frustrated with each other. Right. right? Like that's a mark. That is such a high mark of trust to be able to get frustrated with someone, express that frustration, mm-hmm. and then also know that like it's okay to do that, right? Right, and how wonderful it is is it that you get to be able to express yourself and how you're feeling at that moment with someone who will maybe react, but otherwise like understand and say like, cool, I still want to be with you even though you're crabby right now. Right, I still want to be with you even though you have nothing to say to me right now. Right, exactly. Right, and that is where I think the wonder of relationships come from after the honeymoon is over. I totally agree. Thank you so much for writing, Sarah. We love you. All right. Y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh, my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. 
That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our second letter is from Mia, who is writing to us from Germany. Hello, I am 18 years old, and I want to talk about how I lost my virginity. Great. It was a couple of months ago that I started dating this guy, he's 19, who was also a virgin. We both, or at least I, was impatient to finally have sex for the first time. I didn't know what to expect, and my expectations weren't high either, honestly. Some friends I talked to about it said it could take a while for us to get along in bed and for me to enjoy sex, and that all made sense to me. About two months into the relationship, we went for it, although it felt like, to me, we were only doing it because we had we had a bed, a condom, and we wanted to try it. <laughs> A very valid reason for yeah. trying it. <laughs> I don't think there is anything wrong with that, um, but please tell me your thoughts if you disagree. No, we nope, agree. We, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyways, I didn't, uh, it didn't last long because it hurt me too much. I said I was sorry, um, but that I couldn't keep doing it. So we just stopped. The next day we tried again and it was a lot better. Although we had to figure out ourselves out for a while, which was awkward. It felt good for some time. But soon I started to feel sore. And eventually, like after an hour, I got bored and it also it hurt. So I stopped again. I think I kept it going so long because I thought the longer we tried, the more likely we were to have fun. But eventually for me, it was just waiting around until cramping up. He asked me if we could try uh, new things. And I said, sure. And asked him what, but he didn't know the answer. So when we did it again, and for the last time together, we just did the same thing again and it didn't work again. I asked him whether it was good and he said yes, although he never came, not even after an hour. Is that normal? Like, honestly, how long does sex take? <laughs> <laughs> Too long all the time. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> And when he returned the question, I said something like, it was not that great, but he shouldn't worry because my friends told me it would take me time to enjoy sex and that it was a little long for me. I didn't want to hurt his feelings, but I didn't know a better way to express what I was thinking. From there, he started to avoid being alone with me until he wouldn't even talk to me and text me until I confronted him. And then we broke up uh, because, as he stated, quote, it didn't feel right. It being the relationship. I can't help but think the sex played a huge role. I was very conscious about the fact that sex would take time to get used to, but I'm not even... I'm not even sure he had the same mindset. Also, we didn't talk about it because it never felt right. Uh, like the, it never felt like the right time. I don't even know how to start that conversation. And I'm asking you, please tell me. And I feel horrible because I think I hurt his feelings when I didn't tell him I enjoyed the sex. Would it have been better to have lied? Or is there a way to express such thoughts better? When should you talk about those things? And maybe we should have waited longer to get more comfortable around each other before taking such a big step, although we both knew we wanted it. I'm obviously very unexperienced and I've got no one I am comfortable sharing this with. It's just high school stuff, I know, but it really hurts that he left me and I just hope to get a few tips for the future and maybe something to say to him because I feel so guilty, but I don't want to make it worse. I just hope to boost his confidence and honestly, in the back of my head, I kind of want to get back together. That is not my number one priority, but it has crossed my mind. How can I make him feel better and also myself because I feel like a horrible human being? Mm. Being young sucks. I don't know anything. <laughs> so oh my god! Put that on the t-shirt. <laughs> uh, she says, uh, "Love you guys so much." M. Oh, thank uh, you. Mia, thank you so much for writing. Uh, you're. This is so charming. <laughs> it is and uncomfortable in like this such a relatable way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's we, kind of a lot of things to unpack. <laughs> yeah, I know, but we also have talked about how both of our first times with sex were like, ugh, ugh, yeah. Honestly, Mia, let me beat you up for a second and say, I wish I had the fucking guts to tell my high school boyfriend that I didn't like the sex we were having. Yeah, and you too. said it right away. <laughs> like, girl, that is like establishing your own agency immediately. Yep. And you did it. Oh, my God. Let me go off for a second. <laughs> you... Uh, uh, you said, hey, I've been told that sex takes a lot of time to get used to. Mm -hmm. um, you were honest and upfront. You weren't cruel. And yes, it might be a sensitive subject, but the only way that we can rewire our brains away from being so defensive is to lean into discomfort like this. Like, For sure. I, 
I think Mia did the right thing, right? No, I do too. And I think that Mia, this will be the first time of many that you come to an issue with from a mature and healthy spot and the person isn't ready to meet you there. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Right? Like I read this letter and was like, wow, not only did she like stop the sex when it wasn't working for her right. anymore, which like... I will tell you how many times I've had sex with someone and been like, okay, let's, I will just wait it out until this person oh is done. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and also we're like, Hey, that wasn't great for me. Right. Not like, not a, you're a horrible person and like you're bad in the sack, but like, this wasn't great for me. And I'm looking forward to figuring out yeah. how to make it better. Yes, exactly. And I'm open to trying new things and doing things differently. Like it's just the amount of maturity you displayed in that moment is fantastic. And yes. I don't want you to feel bad about it. Right. Don't feel bad about it. Not at all. You weren't mean. You were just mature. You were establishing boundaries. You were asking for what you needed. Mm-hmm. And like how amazing that you're learning this at 18 instead of at 29. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I want to talk a little bit about sex. Uh-huh. And I want to talk about um, uh, penetrative sex. Yeah. Um, and I want to say to you, Mia, and to anybody out there who has any sort of penetrative sex, um, that we're, we're taught culturally, um, that that is the, that is the sex to have. (laughs) And, and that's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Everything else is not sex. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Um, no, but that's not true. It's vaginal, it's V and P sex. That is capital real R sex. Yeah. But like talk to gay men and they'll tell you that there's only one type of sex right no but 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 i'm also yeah 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 yeah. But right. like culturally we yes. we prior we we have the hierarchy of like straight heterosexual penis and vagina sex yep and then after that it's like which uh, i don't know the the pyramid falls apart <laughs> you know <laughs> in terms of our like cultural respect and For dignity sure. um but I just want to tell all of our listeners, whether you are 18 and a virgin or 30 and a virgin or not either of those things, <laughs> um, that sex is um, 100% different for each person. And the sex that we see portrayed in popular media or even in porn, that is not even the extent of what sex can be. Mm-hmm. It took me so long to realize that like traditional penetrative sex is it's not 100% my jam it's not that I don't love it it's just it took me a long time Mia to figure out what my body liked and what my body responded to and also how to help my body have a good time for sure aka vibrators you know (laughs) um and you're doing the exact right thing by acknowledging the fact that your understanding of your sexuality is a journey. Mm-hmm. It's not going to click right away. And so often we are taught by society or our peers or whatever that if we don't like the sex we're having, it's because we're the problem, not the fact that the sex isn't good enough for us. Mm-hmm. Here's a weird analogy. Used to teach poetry. And so many young people would be like, oh, I don't like poetry. I'm so dumb. I'm just like not a poet. Like, uh, poetry is just not... You You know, I'm just like not good at poetry. I can't write. And I would say just because you don't like the poets that you've read so far doesn't mean writing isn't for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That poet just haven't hasn't done their job to your standards. Right. right. That poet isn't for you. That dick (laughs) isn't for you, (laughs) you know, Um, and uh, 
Mia, you're gonna you're gonna continue as you um, go through life, finding more and more out about your body. But mm-hmm. you're doing the right thing right now by acknowledging when you feel uncomfortable. For sure. Let me tell you, sweetheart, it took me a really long time to realize that my vagina is not physically or emotionally equipped to have sex for an hour straight. <laughs> Uh, that's not as real. But let me tell you why. Because I'm a vagina owner, but not all penetrative sex deals with vaginas, right? Mm-hmm. Let me caveat out there. But um, like my vagina body um, does not, uh, we produce enough natural lubrication for sex that lasts like seven to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what your body does. Because right. your body isn't over here trying to like act out a porno Mm -hmm. or be the most romantic thing in the world, your body is like, I'm here to be fertilized (laughs) or whatever. Uh. Obviously everybody's body is different. (laughs) Gender is different. Sex is different, you know, but my, my body doesn't, it's not pleasurable for me to have sex for longer than my body wants me to have sex. Right. That's right. And also, like, lube isn't just for gay men, people. Right, right, right. And that's the next step. So I had to, on my sexuality journey, Mia, I had to figure out what helped me feel pleasure, right? right? And I've talked about vibrators. Sam brought up lube. Lube is another thing. I had to learn that it wasn't my fault that I wasn't, like, wet enough. Or it wasn't my fault if I wasn't enjoying something. That's not a lacking in me. That's just preference. That's right. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that because I think I felt a lot of shame for a long time in my body and my sexuality. And so I see myself in Mia. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, so, uh, let's also go- like for an hour, like your legs would just cramp. Well, I'm sure there's people out there who <laughs> like sex marathons, you know, I can tell you who Tamara judge from the real housewives of the OC. <laughs> she likes to have sex for a long time. Yeah. She was like, Oh my God, we had sex for four hours. And I was like, Ugh. four hours what did you eat like what yeah this is just not my jam <laughs> it's not it's not um i'm not it's not not my jam i think I've, <laughs> I, I think i've done a marathon here and there but it again it those marathons <laughs> required a lot of pleasure communication vulnerability hydration hydration batteries double yeah. a batteries <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> and it was with a partner, Mia, that I could say, this feels good. This doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. I just want to, like, big you up, Mia. Sam and I think you're a badass. <laughs> and, like, the inadequacies of that situation are not a reflection of you. They're not even a reflection of your ex. No. Um, he was just doing the best that he could. But, like, Sam's right. You, this is not the last time you're going to respond to a situation um, with open communication maturity and honesty and and have that not reciprocated that's just like part of adulthood to be honest unfortunately Ugh, right and not just in romantic relationships but like friendships and like work relationships you're just going to be constantly bombarded with people who are not ready to meet you where you're at totally and i want like part of me wants to make space for that it is scary to have sex and it is scary to feel like you have to be good at it mm-hmm. i'm like i want to make space for the feelings that her ex might have been feeling for sure um but we can't combat those by um 
pandering to them. We mm-hmm. can't. We can't. What, what I'm trying to say is, we can't combat the sexist and unrealistic standards set by society about sex and women's pleasure and how a man's just got to like get it mm-hmm. in. We can't combat those by pandering to um, to them. And and in reality, like it sounds like Mia was pretty transparent by saying like. All my friends it t- said it's going to take me time to get used to it. Like that's not an insult to him, nope. but because we're we so uh, the toxic masculinity in the world teaches right. men that they have to be like sexually dominant and mm-hmm. pleasure the a woman, even though like seventy percent of them don't know where a clit is for sure because we don't teach them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a little. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's a huge. It's a huge shame, shame trigger for men. Like Brene Brown talks about it all the time. It's mm-hmm. like the virility of like have been good at sex is like such an expectation that we hold men to. Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are, culp- we are all culpable in that. Yes. Uh, that it like that one of the major drivers of shame for men is like not so, being able to perform sexually. Yeah. Which is like, ugh. I know it's painful. It is. Just because we're holding space for this, Mia, we want to just reinforce you did nothing wrong. No, absolutely not. Um, and, and honestly, like adult relationships, are often not it's it's two people trying to meet each other in an intimate moment but but you're both bringing different tools and life experiences and communication styles to the table yep this is like sam said this is not the last time this is going to happen no and like and your open and honest and vulnerable communication um triggering his shame is not on you Mm -hmm. and in many ways it's not even on him right Mm -hmm. like but but you are not now required to fix his shame for him. Right. Right. And you have done what you can. You don't need to talk to him. You don't need to apologize for what you said. Um, it's up for it is up for up to him to use the people that he has in his life and the tools he has in order to find a way to to to, to free himself from the shame. Yeah, right. Totally. Um, but but you don't have to be the one to do that. Um, and you don't have to feel guilty about the fact that your vulnerability and honesty triggered something in him that caused him shame. Yeah. Mia, Sam and I are really proud of you. Absolutely. And uh, we're excited to see how your story unfolds. And um, yeah, we hope this helps. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, our last letter comes from Devin Saravia, who is writing from St. George, Utah. Dear Sam and Sierra, I'm having a really hard time with the definitive end of my relationship. Mm. Honestly, I've always struggled with accepting finality. Take death, for instance. The thought of never seeing someone again and never having another conversation with them shatters me, and so I avoid it. I don't accept it. That's where I am at with the death of my first love. Hmm. It was a dysfunctional on and off again whirlwind that lasted three years. It was full of steamy romance, cute inside jokes, dancing in kitchens, and of course, toxicity. The whole time we were together and not together, I was in a constant battle with myself. Then there was the undeniable feeling that the two of us had absolutely no business being together. 
And then there was the stubborn stomping of feet, but I love him side of me. There was no winning, absolutely no chance of a happy outcome wrapped in ribbons. That's the inevitable truth that I avoided at all costs, that I even refused to acknowledge. And now here I sit, my whole heart crumbling to dust at one lousy sentence. I just don't see us ever working out. Mm -mm. He makes it so easy, so cut and dry, so matter of fact. He reminds me of those doctors who have to inform the family when their loved one passes. So professional and emotionless. Like we weren't just steaming up car windows days earlier and telling each other our deepest secrets. Suddenly, the sunsets and knee touches and rose-colored words evaporate into nothing, and I'm left wondering how I can feel both empty and uncontrollably overflowing with every emotion simultaneously. I sit here and throw my hands up in frustration at my old self who used to think love was the only answer. I'm kicking myself forever wishing and pleading and holding my breath for something that now feels so cruel and unusual. None of the breakup songs even come close to describing that ache. It feels like I'm having a panic attack all of the time, and when I remember the way I begged for him and he hesitated, I feel an instant wave of nausea. For the life of me, I can't understand how I sat there with this glorious amount of love in my hands, and he just shrugged and looked away, muttering a half-hearted, no thank you. We should punish criminals by providing them with a beautiful, epic love that doesn't last, because I swear I've never felt more tortured, and I hope to God I never feel this depth of hurt again." I'd love to know how in the hell I get this pain to stop and how I get my old self back again, because as corny and pathetic as it sounds, I'm a shell of who I used to be, and I really miss the girl I was before him. I didn't just lose him, I lost me too, and I want her back. What do you guys do when love absolutely devastates you and takes you out of your skin? Please tell me I'm not the only one who can't breathe. Hmm. All right, Devin, thank you for writing, and thank you for sharing what you're going through with us um, and doing it in a beautiful way. Yeah. You're definitely not alone in feeling this way. No. Um, I think we've, we've, we've heard a lot of those metaphors in other letters. Like I'm a shell of myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like yep. this pain is so physical. Yep. Um, and we've talked before about how heartache can change feels like it changes your whole DNA, your mm -hmm. whole understanding. You wake up in a room that you once shared with someone, or you wake up in a world that now feels like it's functioning under different rules of mm -hmm. reality. Um, it's hard. It challenges our senses, you know. Absolutely. And it makes us rethink our ability to perceive reality too. Yes. Right? Like the idea that Two days ago, you were steaming up car windows and telling each other your deepest secrets, and today it's gone. It makes you question, was I making it up? Did mm -hmm. I not see the reality for what it was? Um, but in fact, people make decisions in moments, right? <laughs> Things can change. Say the, again, right? girlfriend. <laughs> people make decisions in moments. That's right. Things can change at the drop of a hat, right? Um and it doesn't mean that what was happening before isn't real. It just means that the reality has now shifted. Right. And it's up to us, unfortunately, to move through the reality that we have in front of us. Right. We can't necessarily change it. We can't change what happened before. All we can do is say, this is what I have and this is what I can make of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about... How hard it is to see the light in those really, really dark moments, yeah, you know, for sure. especially because um, such a time is such a salve 
for heartache. Yep. And in the, in the first weeks after a relationship ends, first months sometimes, the first year, you can't see a world without this pain. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think I'm like stumbling for my words because so often time, so often we just we just have to sit in that pain. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and I'm trying to think now in this moment, like when I was really hurting over my last breakup, what did I need in that, in that deep hurt that you, that, that, the, that early pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely self-medicated <laughs> if I'm being honest, you know, yep. I, I definitely was in survival mode. I did what I had to do to get to the next day, mm-hmm. even if that thing didn't look pretty. For sure. Um, a lot of times I think we we think of like self-care or healing moments as like um, Coachella style, like flowery, beautiful candles everywhere. I'm doing right. yoga. Namas fucking stay. <laughs> but in reality, like self-care can be... Um, not texting the person who hurt you mm-hmm. and instead putting your phone in the other room or letting your phone die. Yep. Um, self-care can look like getting really fucking high and, <laughs> and, and sleeping the afternoon off. And yep. like those self-care tactics might not be sustainable, right. but they, it's in those moments of crisis, they get us to the next day. And right. that is valuable. It's not necessarily about self-improvement, but about self-maintenance. Yes. Like, what do you need in this moment in order to get to the next one? Um, and some, like Sierra said, sometimes it's things that aren't healthy. Like, it might be eating 17 pints of ice cream and not moving. You do not know how many Oreos <laughs> I can put away in one sitting. I don't I look. Do. I don't look. Hey. <laughs> we did live together for a while. <laughs> I can crush those things. I know. I'm Ugh. impressed. I just can eat so. I just have no off button. Yeah. Anyway, continue. No, I bought a big jar of almonds that I keep at my desk now. And I'm like, this is why I don't buy like bulk things because I will not stop eating them, which is like not a bad thing. But it's just like even when I'm not hungry, I'm just like. Hoof, hoof, hoof. Yeah, totally. I just want to eat the all four rows <laughs> of Oreos. That's I mean, I'm Oreos are right delicious. Now. So I don't blame you. And they're weirdly vegan. Did you know that? Yeah. Isn't that alarming? Uh, <laughs> alarming is the perfect <laughs> word, girl. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Devin. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, eat a bunch of Oreos. <laughs> that's right. And I know that in moments like this, it can be really hard to see outside of the the immensity of your own grief, right? right? And the immensity of your own pain. Um, and so I, I just want to say, Devin, that you might not think right now that there can be joy in the world, but I want you to believe me when I say it, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to believe that there's joy in the world, but believe me when I say that there is mm-hmm. and that you will have some. Mm-hmm. And that all you have to do is figure out how to put one foot in front of the other until joy begins making itself known. Boom. That was beautiful. Thank you. You should write poetry. <laughs> Um, okay, Devin. Also, I want to unpack um, the I lost myself mm, yeah. when I lost him phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a very human, very understandable feeling. Yep. Um, but we know from doing our head and heart work, our head and heart homework, <laughs> <laughs> um, that just because somebody comes in and out of our lives, 
uh, doesn't make us a less whole human just because we experience pain, suffering, loss, rejection um, doesn't mean that we are gutted of a self. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that 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 you might have an unhealthy relationship to your sense of self Mm -hmm. um, if you feel so self uh selfless i guess yeah right um and that is not to add blame or point fingers or to be like you're lacking or anything but you know i in my worst breakups i have truly had to reflect on prior to this last most recent breakup a couple years ago i breakups would leave me feeling so shell-like as you described, mm-hmm. Devin, um, because as I slowly unpacked in therapy, I was defining not just my whole world based on my partners, but I was defining my, my self-worth, yep. that I was only valuable if other people could love me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is that just because someone cannot love you or doesn't want to be in a relationship with you, you should still be able to to somehow see in this tornado of pain that you are still whole and worthy and lovable. There has to be a reservoir of self-worth, mm-hmm. a reservoir of self-advocating that will say, I know this hurts. I know I wish this was different, but I am still whole and valuable as is. Absolutely. And And I think this is an opportunity, probably not right now, right? But like, this is an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself and to learn the reality of the fact that some jerk can dump you and you are still a whole person. Right. Right. And I think, um, I think as we get older and we go through these types of heartbreaks, it becomes easier to go through them because we... Don't lose ourself mm-hmm. in it, right? And I, I think about like the last time that I got broken up with, I was upset. I was disappointed. I was sad. But I also knew that like that person's rejection of me was not a reflection of myself as a person. Right. It meant that that person wasn't the person that wanted to be with me. And that's okay. It right. sucks. It hurts. It hurts so much. But I learned that from going through other heartbreak and recognizing that when I came out the other end, I was still me. I was still a whole person and I could still find other ways to love other people. Yes, absolutely. So be kind to yourself. Give absolutely. yourself some grace. And and this might sound like a little cheesy and a little hallmarky, but my challenge to you my demand of you really is that you have to find a way to talk kindly about yourself mm-hmm. while experiencing this grief. Yeah. And let me tell you, it might feel foreign and uncomfortable at first, but it is possible to make space for both a desire for things to be different, grief over a love loss, and your own self-worth, self-love, and self-value. Absolutely. We love you so much. We're so sorry you're going through this. We hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. All right. That brings us to the blind date segment of this podcast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The blind date segment is when we try and hook you up with something we think you're really going to love. This week, our blind date is... It's a podcast. Cool. 
from Minnesota. Love it. Called What's Good Man. Ooh. Yeah. It's brought to us by uh, two rappers, writers, and activists. Um, uh, Guante, who is my colleague. Mm-hmm. We go way back. We won the National Poetry Slam together a billion years ago. He's awesome. Oh, he's just one of my favorite artists ever. His yeah. name is Guante. Super good. And his co-host, Tony the Scribe. They're both really amazing um, uh, cis heterosexual men mm-hmm. who are they have a podcast that was just released a couple months ago about masculinity toxic masculinity how masculinity is portrayed in pop culture healthy sexualities for men um what is men's roles in the feminist movement mm. really they're just two cis heterosexual men who are trying to examine their place in the world in a uh healthy responsible way um, that is pro-woman, anti-patriarchy sort of thing. They're doing the work that we want all cis-hetero men to do. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like they're like actually trying to do the work. Yeah, and I really love the podcast because it's, they have, every episode is like a very critical, accountable conversation Mm. um, and about, uh, about what manhood is because... I talked about this um, when I suggested uh, Liz Plank's book um, about masculinity that yep. like we cannot we cannot remedy or solve or eradicate patriarchy without advocating for the men that patriarchy hurts. Mm-hmm. So how in this new world, right? Like if we woke up tomorrow and uh, and men and women women and gender nonconforming folks were all suddenly even uh, equal we would have to recognize the, the hurt that the patriarchy has done to men as well sure. and also how they enact it how uh, wh- where is how do they subconsciously utilize their privi- privilege what are things that were given to them Whatever. We yep. all know what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, um the podcast is called What's Good Man and you can find it wherever you find podcasts. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the lights on and it helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, and producing by our good friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... You are allowed to take up space. You are allowed to ask for what you want, to be honest, to make people uncomfortable. Remember, your past is not a reflection of your future. You can change now, today. You are in control of how you react to the present, and you deserve the opportunity of a response. And if all else fails, just break up.